All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It's the January 21 edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Yaremchuk and Mike McKenna with you here on a Friday, ready to bring you into the weekend. And Mike, I'm just double checking right now. Vegas has set the over under at one and a half outfit changes for you today. I wonder if we're going to get it. Well, you're the batting guy, Tyler. So I, I don't know. I feel like I have a precedent set. But the thing is, this is a little yeah. bit of insider trading. I don't think this is actually legal. So, uh, boy, I'm on the spot now, Tyler. Man, like. I, I got to stop doing this to myself. I got to keep getting creative every show. I don't know if I can do it, man. Yeah, well, you've set the bar high. And uh, yes, I'm the betting guy. But if anyone's been following my picks lately, uh, maybe you should just stop listening to me. I'm about as cold as the Edmonton Oilers. And that is where we are Ooh. starting. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and head to Alberta's capital, where the Oilers were once again pumped and a little embarrassed against the Florida Panthers, dropping that game 6 nothing now. To be fair, I was in attendance at the game. I was watching it with a bird's eye view. They were the better team for, I would say, probably about 30, 40 minutes of that hockey game. They were really, really good out shooting the Panthers 17 to 7 in the first period. They just couldn't solve Bob. Sergey Bobrovsky made some great saves, some bad luck, some bad bounces for the Oilers as well. And then their PK can't come through for them. They give up the first goal. Miko Koskinen lets in a bit of a soft one on that glove hand, and it was all downhill for the Oilers. Mike, I mean, just when you think the Oilers are again at rock bottom, they sink a layer lower. And last <laughs> night was certainly them sinking down a little bit more. Yeah, they're done. I mean, this is what Vancouver looked like before, you know, Travis Green got fired. That's what I'm seeing out of Edmonton, because everything you described about Bob and the start of the game in the first 30 minutes about the Oilers being strong is 100 percent right. I mean, they seven shots in the first period. You know, they dominated possession, but I thought the turning point for me was midway through the second when 
you know, Mackenzie Weger goes off for interference, uh, Florida Panthers defenseman, and Edmonton couldn't score on that power play. And they were already down 2 nothing at that point. And that was the moment where they could have changed the tide in terms of the scoreboard. They already had it on the ice, but the scoreboard, and it didn't go. And it felt like it just spiraled from there. And, you know, the bad giveaways, Duncan Keith had a couple of them, and then the Oilers take three penalties in the third period. And it's just tough to dig out of that hole when you're chasing the game. I mean, Koskinen, you're right. The first goal, it's soft. He's not honest. He just doesn't get to his post. He's he's just not tracking the puck well. Like his body language says that he's done too. Uh, I tell you what, Tyler, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, there's a lot of things going wrong. But if you want to get better, I think you just take the ISO cam of Sasha Barkov of the Florida Panthers and watch his game last night. Watch that guy compete all over the ice. Watch him. Watch how smart his routes are. That's a guy who's got a total game, and the Oilers need more of that out of all their players. Yeah, Connor McDavid held without a point in three straight games. That's only happened three times in the last four seasons for number 97. Nothing's going the Oilers' way. And the thing that is really frustrating the fan base here in Edmonton is that the team's showing not a lot of fight either. I mean, there was a mm-hmm. moment last night where Anthony Duclair goes hard to the net and he had to slam on the brakes in a hurry and Miko Koskinen is covered in snow. And like yep. no, that was not a dirty Nobody play by Duclair. He, he, no one even sniffed him. Nobody. Everyone turned around, went off for a Go change. The, the give a crap meter is non-existent right now in Edmonton. And to me, that's a sign that they need a fresh voice in the room. And I think a coaching change is inevitable right now. It's got to happen it eventually is. in Edmonton. And you could argue it should have happened three weeks ago, I think, with the way this team was going in December. So we'll see if something happens. It's a battle of Alberta tomorrow and the fireworks have been alive in the last few. So maybe that can wake up the Oilers. But right now they need some serious changes. Uh, Just before we switch gears a little, Irv Gaffar of the fourth period reporting that there may be a resolution in the Evander Kane situation by this weekend. Jason Greger was talking about that a little bit earlier today on the DFO rundown as well. So I mean, if Kane isn't suspended, all signs point to him joining Edmonton. Maybe that gives them a spark. But I think even a lot of Oilers fans aren't very optimistic that that will be the case. Let's go to the other side of that matchup from last night, though, Mike. The Florida Panthers. Boy, they look good. Um, This team Mm -hmm. 8-1-1 in their last 10. They're seemingly scoring at will right now when you look at their last stretch of games as well. They're looking great. So are the Colorado Avalanche. Two absolute juggernauts right now in either conference. Which team do you like more, though? I'm, I'm going to ask you the difficult question. I like Colorado a little bit right now. And it's only because with Florida, I think that they're, you know, at times earlier in the season, they had a couple blow up games where they allowed a lot of goals against. And I think that they're one defenseman away, really, in Florida from being as scary as Colorado is. You know, Colorado's got a ton of depth on the back end. And I think like looking towards trade deadline, where could both of these teams potentially improve is something to think about here. And, you know, I look at Florida, everybody's linking Jacob Chikrin there. He's from Florida. He would be a tremendous fit, but there's other people available. I mean, would Mark Giordano work there? Would even Nick Letty or Maybe even Hampus Lindholm's available. I think there's options in Florida. They'd have to move out some money, but you know they've they've got that availability. Hornquist contract takes up a lot of cash that could be moved. Uh, I, I think Florida could be even better if they add a D. I wouldn't be surprised if they add a little bit of goaltending depth as well. Uh, and then Colorado, I think, man, this team is good. And the question there. Has Kemper been good enough? Well, you know what? Francois is back now, and that guy has been phenomenal since returning. That's a good sign for the Colorado Avalanche. Goaltending is in-house. I think they could use a little more grit, though. If there's anything that the Colorado Avalanche need, I think there's something like the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago when they picked up uh, Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau to add that grit into the lineup. Nicholas Obey-Kubel, 
nice pickup from the Flyers, 13 points in 26 games. He's great, but I think they could use a little bit more of that. Yeah, I think so as well. And we're kind of on the same page here. I agree with you in Florida. They could definitely use a defenseman. And Chikrin, I don't know if they'll pay that price. You'd have to imagine if Arizona's starting a conversation with Bill Zito out in Florida, they're probably asking maybe for Anton Lundell, although I heard George Richards say he's untouchable. Spencer Knight probably gets into that trade conversation if you're aiming for Chikrin. The check down there, the next rung right below. You mentioned Lindholm, but I wonder about a John Klingberg type as well. Florida's power play has struggled a little bit at times this year, especially on the road, at least before last night. And Klingberg might be able to give them a bit of a boost there as well. And for Colorado, just quickly, what would you think of the idea of them potentially going after Marc-Andre Fleury? Uh, I, I don't think it makes sense there, really. As well as Francois has played, I like him as long as he's healthy. And I think fitting Fleury's cap hit would just be so difficult. I mean, unless they went, unless they traded Kemper for Fleury, which, I mean, they're both pending UFAs. You could do that. I wouldn't want to. Uh, I think that's a long shot. But if either Kemper or Francois gets hurt in these next couple months, I would not be surprised by that move whatsoever. We started with a struggling team. We went to two teams who are red hot. We're going right back to the other end of the spectrum here, talking a little Philadelphia Flyers. And how about this stat that Frank Saravalli shared earlier today? Yes, even when he's not on the show, he's contributing with stats. There's only been three times in the salary cap era where a team has had two 10-game winless streaks. And the Flyers have done that now. And it's the first time it's happened twice in the first half of the season. 40 games into the year, they've gone through 10 winless streaks already. This is a team who made the big Atkinson for Voracek splash, who went and traded Nolan Patrick for Ryan Ellis. They acquired Rasmus Ristolainen. They were supposed to be a team that had their eyes set on maybe winning a playoff round. And now just the way things have gone, the coaching change didn't fix it either. I mean, it's hard to imagine things getting worse in Philly, but... This is like in terms of ranking disappointments this year, there are teams towards the bottom of the NHL who you kind of went, okay, this was predictable. The Flyers, I mean, immense disappointment in Philly. Big time. You know, I mean, they're missing, they're missing Hayes an awful lot and the amount that he's missed this year. And they're missing Ryan Ellis on the back end too, but you can't be dependent on two players out of your lineup for the most part that have caused this. And I think you look at Atkinson and he's done a good job for the team pretty much as expected. Giroux stayed on his career pace. But beyond that, you've just got a lot of underperforming veterans that haven't been able to grab their game. You also kind of wonder about some of their prospects if they've just plateaued. Like if what you're getting from Morgan Frost or Lindblom, even Farabee, is that all you're going to get? There needs to be more. I think the bright spot for Philly has been their goaltending. I mean, Carter Hart and Martin Jones have faced more high danger chances than any other team in the NHL. And uh, to put up the numbers that Carter Hart has has been admirable. but, you know, you listen to Mike Yo talk, he's like, well, motivation isn't the issue. I think everybody cares. And, well, if everybody cares and motivation isn't the issue, man, maybe the systems, maybe anything else has to be taken into account here because this team is a big disappointment. You know, they've got a lot of veteran talent that isn't getting it done. And you just wonder for Chuck Fletcher, you know, like he he took some big swings this summer. What can he do to make this roster better going forward? He may have to take some more big swings because losing and rebuilding in Philly, Tyler, that's not really an option there. No, and and I wonder what they'll do heading up to the deadline. You mentioned Claude Giroux, 31 points in 39 games played, pending UFA, $8.25 million cap hit. If Fletcher's willing to retain half that deal, Imagine the haul he could probably get from a contender. That's a guy who I would imagine a lot of teams who have their eyes on the Stanley Cup would love to get their hands on. 
Yeah, you get a guy that can make a difference on your power play. That's got some leadership qualities. That's, I mean, frankly, he's been as consistent a producer in the NHL over the last decade as you can imagine. His numbers have declined a bit, but he's still a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to another team that's in the basement. And oh boy, I mean, the Habs have <laughs> boy, just we're been negative getting, today, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we boy, are. It's, it's not exactly today. a positive Friday. <laughs> uh, the Habs have been getting absolutely pounded, but they're staying in games and they're winning games sometimes. Recently, because of the play of Sam Montembeau, I mean, you see the numbers there over his last four games. In his last two starts, he's faced 104 shots on net. In his last five starts, he's faced 194 shots on net. Mike, as a goalie, are you like sympathetic for Sam Montembeau and what he's going through right now between the pipes? Oh, yeah. It gives me a headache thinking about it. I mean, he faced 53 shots against Vegas last night. His only reason his team got a point out of that game is unbelievable. He faced 51 against Dallas the other night. And I just watch what he's doing. And I think, you know, this is a goaltender who was picked up off of waivers by Montreal Canadiens from Florida, ironically. And by the way, could you imagine a world where the Florida Panthers have to trade to get Montembeau back? Because I could actually see that in the playoffs if they want a little bit of goaltending depth. Uh, besides the point here, I mean, Montembeau's 25 years old and he's trying to establish himself as an NHL goaltender. And this is about the most difficult setting you could ever have. He's facing over 38 shots a game per 60 minutes. And he's got a 904 save percentage on the year. That's miraculous. And, you know, I think about Ken Hughes coming in as the general manager of this team. And, you know, you've got Montembeau who's doing a good job. But where does he factor in moving forward with this team? You know, Jake Allen, he's out two months, just announced today he's going to miss two months with an injury. He was probably a pretty good trade piece for the Canadians. He has a year left with cost certainty. Caden Primo's had an outstanding college career, good AHL career. But how do you develop a goaltender in this environment? He's not ready. Where's Carey Price? We don't know whether, you know, he's going to play next year, this year. It's a lot of unknown for Kent Hughes. And it's been tough the way they've handled goalies. I mean, Dominic Ducharme's. He's tossed Montembeau into the into games five times this year. He's come in, taken 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 this thing off, and gone in the game five times. Okay, the team's not great, but man, at some point you just gotta let your goalies play. That's really hard for Montembeau who's trying to establish himself. But I think he's doing a really admirable job. Yeah, a lot of things going wrong in Montreal, but you wonder if it could potentially lead to Wright, as in Shane Wright, and the odds via tankathon of them getting that first overall pick. They are now dead last in the NHL. That means a 25.7% chance of landing that first overall pick and potentially drafting Shane Wright, but it would also guarantee them a pick in the top three. We're going to talk with Chris Peters here in just a second, but I mean, that's the one positive, I suppose, for the Habs this year, right, Mike, is that it could lead to them potentially getting that franchise center. Yeah, that is, you know, and man, I love what you did with the transition going to right here in a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I just, it's amazing to think that the Canadians were in the Stanley Cup final last year. But then again, you look at everybody out the door from Weber to Perry to Dano. I mean, even Kakiniemi, there's a lot of talent that's not there. Of course, not Price in the crease. Like, it's just a different team. And Kent Hughes has a big challenge ahead of him as the GM of the Canadians. Um, But you don't take those jobs if you don't like a challenge. So I'm really eager to see what he does to mold this team uh, into his and Jeff Gorton's liking. Well, let's give the Habs fans something uh, they do like. And that's a little bit of draft talk right now. Let's get to the next wave with Chris Peters. Halfway through the season, it's always a good time to chat a little NHL draft. And that's where we're going with Chris off the bat here. A lot of midseason rankings coming out, Chris. And Shane Wright holding on to that number one spot in them. 
But the question is, do you think he can hold on to that number one spot for the rest of the season here and when we get closer to the draft? Yeah, you know, if we were having this discussion, you know, a couple months ago, I would, you know, say there's no chance. But, but really, as you talk to scouts around the league and as you look at some of the public lists that have come out in the last few, and, and mine will be out next week on Daily Faceoff, you know, there's there's at least some conversation that, hey, maybe it's not as safe as we thought it was before. It got a lot to do with the fact that I think the bar was set so astronomically high by his exceptional season in the OHL. Then he didn't play anywhere last year. So, you know, that's a lost year of development. He played in the World Under-18 Championship. He was exceptional there, playing through illness and injury. And so you say, okay, well, that year didn't really affect him. Well, now we're seeing in this season, his numbers aren't quite as good as they were in his in his 15-year-old season, which is uh, definitely something that you, you worry about. And I also think, you know, his he's not even the top point producer for this draft-eligible season in the OHL. So when you see that happening and when you see a guy that has proven it before, you say, okay, is he taking step back, steps backwards? And, you know, we always poke holes in these top guys and we try to create drama and things like that. But this is a year where I actually feel like, you know, there's some merit to it that, that he has not lived up to the expectations and maybe he's a victim of too lofty expectations. But really what it comes down to is no one else has, has officially taken his place. No one has, has raised their hand and say, I'm the better pl- prospect. And so that's why we still, based on the full body of work and everything we know about Shane Wright, why we still have him number one. Okay. So Chris, I'm just a huge fan of chaos. You know, it's the reason why I watch wrestling and the Royal Rumble, which by the way, I get to go to in a little over a week here in St. Louis. I'm so excited for it. But I'm curious if there's any chance that we might see a, a Mike Milbury moment where he casts everything aside, trades picks, does it, and brings in DPH as his number one pick as a total surprise of the draft. Is there anybody else that you could see potentially slotting into that number one spot instead of Shane Wright? Yeah, it's going to be tough to knock him off, but I do think that there are some players that that have have definitely put themselves in a better position. And the one guy that you're hearing a lot more buzz about is Logan Cooley, the American center who plays the national team development program. He is an exceptional young player, and and really he, he's a fast and a more dynamic player. He's not as big as Shane Wright. He doesn't have the two way skills of Shane Wright, but offensively a bit more dynamic and playing at the national team development program, they play against college teams. And so you say, how is this, this guy who's not as big and not as strong doing against college teams? Well, he's been dominant against them. I happen to see him against the university of Wisconsin scored a beautiful goal. He's faster and, and he's got this tremendous skill level. The other guys that you can kind of look at, you see Kamel on there, Matthew Savoy, really good. There's a guy that's not on our list that I think also a lot of teams still really love, and that's Ivan Rostashenko, the Russian who's currently playing the second pro division there. And, and he's a guy that hasn't had necessarily the great season. He didn't play in the World Juniors, um, wasn't invited. He, he was cut by Team Russia, but that was more because he had just recovered from COVID and wasn't ready to go. He wasn't, condi- you know, conditioning wasn't quite there. So that's a guy where you could just see him continue to build throughout the season and maybe get an opportunity at the world under 18s to separate himself. So there are, there are options there, but still no one has fully taken the mantle from Shane Wright at this point, but Logan Cooley, probably one of those guys that's at least put himself in the discussion. Switching gears a little bit here, Chris, obviously with no NHLers going to the Olympics, there's the opportunity for some young guys to step in with the national teams and get that chance in Beijing. Uh, Looking at some of the Olympic rosters that are being released recently here, is there anything catching your eye? 
Well, certainly, you know, there's there's a lot of prospects that are that are going to be on the U.S. team, which we covered before. But you look at Slovakia and they have two draft eligible players on their Olympic team, Simon Nemitz and Uri Slavkovsky, who we just saw in that graphic before, who plays in Finland. And Slavkovsky and, and Nemitz have both been high end players in the Slovakian system. They've been highly regarded. They helped them win. Uh, get to the second place at the Halinka Gretzky Cup, one of their best finishes at a tournament that they co-host. Um, and, and so they've already played on the men's national team. They were on the world junior team. Those are two exceptional young players that make me more excited to watch the Olympics because I, I, I'm looking forward to the future. We saw Rasmus Dahlin play in his draft season at the Olympics. Didn't have a huge role. I think that you're going to see both of those players in a more substantial lineup situation than Darlene was in his draft season. And that very well could help them raise their draft stock just by being uh, in that, in that, uh, in that group. So uh, we'll see a lot of prospects really looking forward to seeing what Canada ends up putting out there. We expect to see some prospects on that roster as well. So, uh, you know, I, that's what gets me excited about the Olympics. We're going to see a lot of some of these young guys that have a chance to do something special on a big stage. As always, Chris, appreciate the analysis. And yeah, there'll be plenty for us to chat about in the next couple of weeks here with your rankings and more Olympic rosters. We'll chat next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. Thank you, Chris. All right, there you go. Always fun chatting with Chris and doing the next wave. As always, you can check out his work at dailyfaceoff.com. Our inbox question, hashtag AskDFO, Mike, Tom Wilson, laying what I think is one of the best hits we've seen all season last night in their game against Boston. We're getting a look at it here. Uh, the, the question is, one word, Mike, you get one word to describe this massive collision that Tom Wilson laid out. Thunderous. Ooh. I like that. There's one. my word. I like that one. One thunderous. Simple as that. Um, I, Dude, I he crushes, a, just oh. crushes him, man. And like, I, I've been pretty vocal on this show about how I don't like players being targeted when their heads down, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. dude, Anton bleeds heads up. He drops his pass off. He's in the trolley tracks and he knows it's coming. And Wilson just crushes him, man. Like absolutely thunderous. Cause this is the type of hit when you're in the arena and even on the ice, you just go, Oh, like I, I guarantee like Vanacek's even going, I can't believe that, man. I hope he's okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, hopefully just, uh, just knock the wind out of Anton bleed. That's a big time hit, man. Yeah. My, my word is simply boom. And I mean, that's what you think when you see that second angle where you don't really have Wilson in the screen till boom, Oof. right there. Uh, that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I asked Frank Cervalli and Jason Greger this question on the DFO rundown earlier today as well. And Frank actually wanted to take the angle of unnecessary and, and the perspective of Tom Wilson's been in a lot of trouble for some pretty questionable hits over the last few years. Frank found it interesting that Wilson still kind of takes these risks because if that's half a second later or three quarters of a second later, you're looking at interference. You're looking at potentially a dangerous hit if bleed changes his sort of angle at the last second. So I, I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah. You know what, though, when you talk to players like a Tom Wilson or, or even in the past, Matt Cook or Brian Marchment, like names that are associated with playing on the edge, crossing the line, that's how they play. And they're willing to run that risk. They'll take it all day because their presence out there is known. It makes a difference. Uh, and players just frankly have to be aware when they're on the ice, they're willing to take that chance, even knowing that they're under the microscope. And I, I love that, man. I think every team, and we say this all the time, every team in the league would love Tom Wilson. They all want to have him. And that's for plays like this. He's not going to take it out of his game. 
All right, let's get to our daily bets segment now. Uh, last night, pretty decent night for me. Went two and one. We got the Joe Pavelski assist. The Penguins covered the puck line thanks to an empty netter. But Sam Montembeau, for the second time this week, cost me some money. <laughs> I mean, I bet against him against Dallas. He screwed me. Bet against him last night. He screwed me again. Vegas was able to come over with a win in overtime, but that doesn't help the puck line. My record on the year, 81-65-3. and three. So let's jump into the Lions tonight. Another busy, busy night in the NHL. And I am starting with that matchup at the top between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not taking a winner in this one, but I am taking the over six and a half goals, paying minus 115. Both these teams played last night and they both went with their starters. So it sounds like, and this is still unconfirmed, but we could get a Casey DeSmith versus Jonas Corposalo matchup in net. 3.47 GAA for DeSmith, 3.95 for Corposalo. The over is hit in three of the last five for the Penguins. And how about this for a stat? Every time the Blue Jackets have played in the second of back-to-backs, the over has hit in that game. So I'm taking over six and a half goals in the matchup between the Penguins and the Blue Jackets. And for my player prop tonight, I'm going to the Detroit-Dallas matchup, and I'm taking Tyler Bertuzzi to pick up an assist. He has five apples in his last five games, and really this is all about the matchup for me. The Red Wings are going up against a Stars team that allowed four goals to Buffalo last night and five to the Canadians earlier this week. They're struggling a little bit defensively right now. I think the Red Wings can get a couple of goals at least in this matchup. Jake Ottinger's averaged three-plus goals against over his last five starts as well. Bertuzzi, plus 140, considering the number of assists he's had recently. I like that price point, so I'm going Bertuzzi assist and the over in Columbus and Pittsburgh as my two plays in tonight's NHL slate. And to wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time, Mike, for the second time this year, Daily Faceoff has lost a teammate to an NHL team. What I, is going listen, on? I, pr- uh, I, I promise. I promise this to everybody out there. All these jerseys, I'm not adding to the collection. I am not coming back to play again. I'm committed to Daily Faceoff. This is my home, Tyler. Uh, but we saw yesterday, it was officially announced that Rachel Dory is going to be joining the Vancouver Canucks in an hockey analytics role. It was great to see the outpouring of support she got on social media as well. Her name was trending. Absolutely. On uh, in the Vancouver area, on top of it too, which was great. Uh, if you if you listened or watched the segments with Rachel and the number crunch, you know how smart she is. Her co-host on the Staff and Graph podcast, Mikey Stevens, loves to say that she's going to be a future GM in the NHL. And if you've talked to Rachel at all, whether in front of the camera or behind the scenes, you know just how wicked smart she is. So a very well deserved opportunity here for Rachel, and obviously from everyone here at Daily Faceoff, we're wishing her all the best out on the coast and with Vancouver. Yeah, it's fun to see. And congrats to Rachel. Uh, super excited, especially like, you know, you work together a couple of times, you get a feel for how somebody operates and just detailed professional, all those things. She's going to do a great job there, I trust. So congrats again, Rachel. Absolutely. Mike, this was a fantastic show. Hopefully we're crossing our fingers that Frank Cervalli is back on Monday, but thanks for tuning in all week. Don't forget if you miss an episode, you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts from or check it out over on our YouTube page at Daily Faceoff. Have a great weekend for everyone at Daily Faceoff. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.